Danny, Dino, Monk and Bond. Now, if that poster doesn't make you see the film, then you don't know what you're doing, much like us. This is the Totally Football League show. In honour of Bradford's wonderfully named Mama Mia stand, here we go again. That is the last one will fit in. Maybe we'll do a whole show on Mamma Mia and their aforementioned stand a little bit later in the season when I'm not here. Joining me, Caroline Barker, your dancing queen. Oh, no, we did insert another one. Uh, tiptoeing through all the managerial ins and outs of the EFL. Big on the small screen, man, for all occasions, especially involving Gary Monk. More on that later. Sam Parkin. Good morning, Caroline. Yeah, nice of you to say hello. Last time we were at the same football ground, maybe three seats away from each other. What did I get at the back of your head as you walked off in disgust? It's when you're on TV, you've got to know your place a little bit when yeah. I was with is the, that, ra- with is the that radio you team. talking about me or me talking yeah, about you? I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, know these days. That's yeah, a good thing, isn't you're it? You're always on telly. Yeah. He's uh, got his own page in Radio Times. Does that still exist? Radio Times, <laughs> possibly. It does. Of course it does. Uh, in with Sam, making his debut, and we're hoping... He has a few stories on the aforementioned parking. It's Charlton's assistant manager, Johnny Jackson. Hello. Some might say the most important cog in any football management wheel is the assistant, right? I thought everyone would say that. Oh, sorry. Everyone would say the most important cog. Uh, what is your role as assistant manager apart from telling him what for? Of course, there's, there's a lot to it. I think the, uh, the biggest one is when the player's a little bit scared of the manager, and, but they want to say something to him. They pull you aside and you say, can you, can you say this to the manager? Because they ain't quite got the nerve to go up to him. So I get it in the ear instead. So you're a good cop? I'm a good cop, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, all right, good cop, as you shall now be known for the rest of the show. He too equally is on the right side of the law occasionally. He completes me, us, no podcast is complete without Joe Crilly. And the good thing he's here. Hello, Joe. Hello. Joe Crilly from William Hill. What was that? Hello. <laughs> I'm just glad to be back. Good. As is right. Plenty to talk about, not least those managers going, some coming in. Johnny, for you, any that have surprised you? What's been the most surprising move this week, last seven days? Well, I think the, the back and forth with the Carleys uh, is obviously the the mo- most surprising one. They turned down the Huddersfield job and it looked for all the world that they was going to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. And then Gary Monk slipped him from, from almost nowhere, it seems. And then... The Cowley's obviously done a done a U-turn and, and was at Huddersfield. So that was that the way that all played out was uh, quite surprising. We are going to talk more about the Cowley's in a bit and hear from Gareth Ainsworth, one of those that's been linked to the Lincoln opportunity, the Wickham manager, of, of course. For you as, as a management duo then, do you have conversations about other jobs? Do people pick up the phone and ring to you and it's that incessant, no, we're happy, we're all right, we're okay. Does that Does that happen a lot? In management, I think it happens through agents. I think yeah. no one ring like would pick up the phone to Lee. I'm sure, for, like uh, an owner of a football club, and go, "Do you want to come and be my manager?" They would find out who the agent is. They would go through that, you know, get it done through word of mouth, so they can't sort of get themselves in trouble. But uh, yeah, of course, it goes on, and there's conversations all the time. You know, obviously, you, you sat in the office, you got Sky Sports news on, you see the comings and goings, who's who's been sacked, what jobs are available and things like that. And you have conversations, not to say that, oh, well, we'd love to go there. Or just, you, you know, I wonder who's going to go in there. Just, yeah, you're always, you're always looking at the industry that you're in, obviously, mm. and wondering, you know, how it's going to play out. Is it like here when Sam sets up, a, you know, some random Twitter name and, and tweets not the top 20 and says, uh, Sam Parkin linked with move to not the top 20. I wonder, I wonder how much of that is, you know, when, when things are maybe a little bit quiet or, and I'm not saying in your situation, clearly, but, but how much of that self-promotion goes on too? You'd think, wouldn't you? Best managers, results would mean everything and, and people then suddenly look at them. It's all yeah. that constant outside yeah, I, of football. I think I think you have to self-promote, obviously. It's an important part of the game. I think the Cowleys are excellent at that, not to say that they haven't done a great job, yeah. uh, but they're excellent with the media and obviously they get their names out there and it's, it's, it's important to do that, especially when you're doing well, you know, because no one wants to know about you or hear about you or... Or tap you up if you like when uh, when you, when it's not going well. So when it is going well, you sort of, you've got to put yourself out there and, and let it be known if you like. Johnny Jackson joining us on the show this week. He's after. F- I'm trying to think what what jobs in the Premier League are going at the moment. Nah, you're all right. Charlton is going to take them all the way with Lee Bowyer. Right on to the Championship. Then it's a good place to start. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. 
Manager changes left and right. On the left, it's Danny and Nikki Cowley, who said no, then yes, to league strugglers Huddersfield. Whilst on the right, it was Gary Monk's appointment at Sheffield Wednesday that had us turning our heads like owls, just for you, Sam Parkin. In Leeds, Calvin Phillips pens a new five-year deal with the club, and there were no matches at the weekend means that the table is all as it was last week. We were planning, Johnny, then to have loads of Charlton chat with you. Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday have, have sort of done for that then. Let's start with with Danny and Nikki Cowley properly. Uh, this has ruined Sam's, and that's why I mentioned it, coin phrase of Danny Owley. Mm-hmm. That was Adrian, wasn't it? Oh, was it Adrian? Yeah. Uh, best, best thing he's done this season. Excuse me. Now, when I was listening last you week, drive. you took credit for it. I mean, not to take the whole show up with just that point, but Joe? I'm, I'm away for a week, and the one good input I've had all <laughs> season is taken away Mate, from I'm me. happy for you to have it. <laughs> Good. Danny said on Lincoln's website, Nikki and I have a burning ambition to challenge ourselves at the highest possible level. We don't know if an opportunity as good as this one will come around again. We never want to live with that regret. Loads of Lincoln fans saying, is this the right move? Linking it to Nathan Jones when he goes to Stoke and and whether that was the right thing to do in that position. They've clearly looked into all of this. Is it the right move? Would you have gone to Sheffield Wednesday over Huddersfield? Well... I've just been talking about it on the way in. Of course, Sheffield Wednesday, the history of that club. Uh, but it was the 90s. You know, yeah. they haven't been in the Premier League for a long time. Huddersfield have been there recently. The finances, you you would imagine, are in a decent nick with the Premier League money. An opportunity maybe to strengthen in January and in the summer. And it's a good squad of players. There's a mentality there at the moment, which means that they're, mo- they're losing games. Yeah. And they've won one game since November, isn't it? So that's the first thing the Cowley's going to have to go in and try and turn around. But we know how meticulous they are in terms of their management. I know that's not, that's probably a given, you know, as a young management duo that you work tirelessly around the clock to get better performances. But they'll go in there and I think they will identify a style of play. And I think that's the most important thing right now for Huddersfield because they haven't had one, in my mind, under the the, the last manager and the caretaker. So, listen, I think Huddersfield's still a great job. And when you're talking about the finances in terms of their salary from what they would have been earning at Lincoln, Mm. I'm sorry. You've got to seriously consider that. Yeah, let's talk about whether they're offered one and a half million and now it's two million because everywhere that, that mm. Nikki and Danny go, they split the wages straight down the middle. So that would mean all the talk about, we will never know, right? The, the wages. Chris asks via At The Totally Show, will the Cowleys have an immediate impact on Huddersfield or will it take time for them to get their ideas across to this squad of players? I mean, you wouldn't want to be facing Sheffield Wednesday first game, which is exactly what they'll be doing, the other club they were linked with, with Johnny. Do you see enough quality in that Huddersfield team that they can have an immediate impact yeah I think uh, first of all it's a bit of a free hit for them because they are where they are in the league they haven't won yet they're second bottom yeah so it's almost it can't get that much worse they will win a game eventually obviously it's a difficult task in in their first you know first game it's a Yorkshire derby that can go in either way and they're not going to have loads of time to really implement anything but I see enough in that squad it's a good squad of players that are underperforming, definitely. They shouldn't be where they are in the league. For me, I watched them a few weeks ago, a Friday night at home to Fulham, and it was actually the last game before the manager got sacked. And it was obvious to, to myself, I was, I was with Lee, we was watching the game, that they wasn't playing for the manager and that something needed to change. But they had obvious quality in the side. You look at, I mean, they took Carl and, Carl and Grant from us, who's obviously gone in there, and he's the only one really since he's gone there who's scored any goals. The lad Chalaber in midfield from Chelsea, is it, Sam? And they were, the fans were getting Sam wound up that he didn't start that game. Yeah. And also that Pritchard was moved out to the left when he wasn't playing. So, you know, there's, there's little elements as fans we sit there and go, oh, that should be happening. As managers, you sat there and thinking, well, why isn't he playing him? Why isn't he in that position? Well, the one we was looking at was, was Carl, and obviously we know, we know him well. And uh, how he scored all his goals for us was playing up front in a two with, with, with Lyle Taylor. And Carlin's, Carlin's strength is his pace mm. and playing in behind on the shoulder, looking to not, not be a link-up man, not be a nine. And, and that was the biggest thing for us. They, they was playing him as a nine and he was coming short, short, short. And, and Huddersfield had no threat in behind. And when you've got pace like Carlin, he is incredibly quick. You need to stretch teams that way, and that's how he's going to score goals, and that, that's how he's done it for us. So that was the obvious one that we was looking at, why, why they're utilising him in this way. Did, that, so that was an example, perhaps, of how they wasn't getting the best out of, out of the players that they have. That's a good point. Not that the Cowleys are necessarily known for playing two up front, but to pair him with a bigger striker, a number nine, will have to be something they, they look at. And 
if you go back probably a year on these podcasts, my concern about the Cowleys would be that they were a bit one-dimensional in the way that they set up. And when they moved to a club in the higher tier, it would have to suit that brand of football. You can kind of rip that up a little bit now because of the type of football they've played this year in League One where they've evolved and they're playing little technical players. So I think at the moment their stock is so high, not only because they're brilliant hard workers with a great track record, but they've shown their flexibility to play better football this year, different football. So we'll have to wait and see what they do at Huddersfield. Will it be direct long throws, restarts, or will they play those technical players and adapt to maybe what the Huddersfield fans may want and what maybe you can do in the championship with a better calibre of player. Yeah, interesting whether that, that other player they could bring up front is John Akinde was at, at Lincoln with them too, whether he could do they'll it look higher at, up. Yeah, they'll look the, at a few of them. Yeah, that, that'll be for sure. I'm not sure which ones could make that step, but they'll definitely take one or two from Obviously Lincoln. Obviously, they're not going to be able to do anything until January, so yeah. they've got to come up with a way of playing until then yeah. that's going to get results because if, if, if they don't, until they can to change it in January, they don't want to be adrift. They need to start winning games pretty soon. Joe, I'll get your thoughts on where that starts, whether it starts this weekend against Sheffield Wednesday, who bring in Gary Monk. So what's the fit with, with Sheffield Wednesday and, and Gary Monk then, John, in, in your mind? I, I, I don't know why he wasn't sort of linked link with the job before. And it's obviously gone a little bit quiet, Gary Monk. You haven't heard much from him, but I think he's got an obvious, he's got an obvious CV especially at the level he's done it with, he's done it with Leeds. Obviously, he had a, a good time at Swansea, uh, Middlesbrough, who's that? So he's got, he's got sort of, um, he's got credibility at that level. Mm. Um, he's got experience. I, I imagine he's got hundreds and hundreds of championship gains probably now under his belt as a, as a manager. And maybe he made himself, he wasn't available and then he made himself available and that, that's why it come about like that. But, a club like Sheffield Wednesday and, and a manager like Gary Monk, I see that as, as a decent fit. He done a he done a good job at Birmingham as well. I know, I know that first hand because I've got I've got lots of mates there that really enjoyed working for him. So I, I think it's a good appointment. Enjoyed working for him as a, as a coach as much of a, a manager because you know that again being the assistant with, with Lee, those two different roles and whether anyone can step up. Steve Clark has often been uh, accused, rightly or wrongly, of, of being a great coach when he's Mourinho at Chelsea, but not them being able to make the step up to manager. But you see both those those qualities in him, do you? Yeah, I think he took us, as a manager, he took a, a step back. Um, he, he let his coaches get uh, on with a lot of it and then he would step in maybe later in the week to do a lot of the shape and stuff. Uh, a good mate of mine, Michael Morrison, who, who was his captain, centre-back. So, obviously, Gary Monk being a centre-back, he, he said he was really good for him, mm. um, you know, and learning the role and, and improving him as a defender. And he said his one-on-one management uh, was excellent. And I've been in his company, Gary Monk. He's, he's an impressive guy. You've been in his company too. You've got a Gary Monk story. I don't think it's even that impressive, but I was just... Oh, see, it's built up. But I've been told the one <laughs> thing we need to hear this week is the Gary Monk, Sam Parkin story. No, I just thought it was good because Jacko was coming on, so... I think he was probably still playing his trade in the Premier League. And right. um, me and Johnny were away with a big group of people in, in Vegas. And um, Jacko... <laughs> he just remembered it. <laughs> and Jacko, Jacko's wife was there. So me and Johnny probably, um, as we always done, came out of a nightclub, had to go for another drink at four or five in the morning, established ourselves on a poker table, a few other Americans and tourists around. And it wasn't until we got stuck in and developed our relationship with the, the dealer that we noticed that Gary Monk was sat on the end of the table, quiet as you like, by himself, five in the morning, in the Wynn Hotel with a big stack of chips. Me and him are winning hands and dancing around the table and jumping on top of each other and high-fiving Americans and stuff. And um, when we cottoned on that, Gary was there. We hadn't even said hello, had we, really? I think we probably knew who he was. He probably would have half felt we might have been footballers in the lower reaches of the, the, the league. So every time Gary won a hand, we were, monkey, get in there, monkey. (laughs) Um, And that was it, basically. So about three years later, I'm at Exeter and he's at Swansea. So it must have been his last year pre-season and um, lining up for a set piece. And I said, all right, Gary, last time I saw you, 5 a.m. in the win. (laughs) And he thoroughly enjoyed it. So I uh, concur with Jacko, really. Good bloke, by all accounts. We've got a lot of mutual friends. And I really was impressed by him last year at Birmingham. You know, they they missed the relegation zone by 12 points despite that deduction. Yeah. And with the squad that he had and unable to bring players in, I thought he did an outstanding job. It's just, since he's been at Swansea, I think he 
altered their style a little bit from what it had been under Martinez and Rogers and people like that. And I think at times the supporters can be a bit frustrated because it's a bit defensive and they play very much to their strengths uh, in terms of hitting a big man or getting balls in from wide. It can be a little bit one-dimensional. So that'll be interesting to see what happens at Sheffield Wednesday. But I think he's a good manager, Gary Monk. And mm. I, I liked what he did last year at Birmingham. So I'm not surprised he's got another good gig. Tease it up nicely for this weekend. Joe, Huddersfield, how are they going to do now that the Cowley brothers are there? And Sheffield Wednesday with Mr Monk. Uh, so in the match odds, Huddersfield are actually the favourites there. But it's it's very close between the two of them. Huddersfield 13-8, to 8, Sheffield Wednesday 17-10. to 10. And the draw, as you would expect, when the, the prices are so close between the two, the draw just above 2-1. to one. Um, And in terms of outrights, I suppose... Sheffield Wednesday will probably be looking up the table with, with Gary Monk, whereas Huddersfield will be perhaps looking over their shoulders and trying to maintain their, their uh, position in the Championship for next season. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday are 8-1 to one to go up. Huddersfield amongst the favourites at the moment to go down, but odds against, but they're 1-4 to four to stay up. It would be pretty spectacular if they do anything but just stay up, wouldn't it, from that position? You yeah, never know. Absolutely. And, and of course, you wonder why this toing and froing going backwards and forth has to have something to do with, right, how long are we going to get? What's this, this project? I use that word in relation to a football club, but, but what's this where we want to target it? Let's swing that in relation back to Charlton then, Johnny of the Jackson. For you, what, what was the intention when you both walked in to Charlton? Have you exceeded all those expectations? And what's kind of the, there's a lot in this, welcome to Newsnight. <laughs> <laughs> what, nothing like Newsnight. Uh, what's, what's kind of the next two, three, four months, of the plan for this season? Okay, what one shall I start with? <laughs> Whichever one you want. <laughs> uh, the intention when we first went in there was, it was literally just to, to get, the, get the fans back on side, really, and try and get a bit of unity back to the football club. I'd seen it in a good place and I've seen it in a bad place and when it's good it's really really good yeah. and and Lee was only too aware of that as well because um, obviously he came through the youth team at, at Charlton as well so, so he's seen that and I think the fact that we was both Charlton men if you like I think straight away that helped with the crowd there was more people there straight away mm. they was louder it, it was in a pretty pretty poor place to be honest just just before we took over so it was to get them back on side, really, and, and just to just try and build a little bit of rapport back with, with the supporters, which naturally we did because of who we was, and get them just wanting to enjoy watching their team again because I think they was in a place where they wasn't enjoying it and they wasn't coming to support. Yeah, it's, I was going to liken it to what's happened at, at Bolton, but the minute that you can get the supporters, a bit like Sunderland as well, the minute that you get the fans back on, it buys you a bit of time. You've not needed it, but it does buy you that, that bit of time. During this period, is there any point where you've just thought, this is, this is too tough to deal with what's going on away from on the pitch and, and we want to walk away? Or does it always just reflect back on what's on it? No, I mean, there's tough moments. Obviously, there's... There's been a lot said about the owner and and the well, lack of relationship, perhaps, with the supporters. Um, there's a clear disparity there between them, but we've never sort of concerned ourselves with that. We've just tried to get on with it and, and affect what we can affect, and that's obviously on the training pitch and, uh, and results. Um, and trying to put a team out there that the supporters can be proud of, get back to a sort of a real Charlton way, if you like, where all they want to see is a team yeah, they want their team to win. But first and foremost, they just want to see everyone giving their most for the badge. Mm. And perhaps that wasn't there before. And I think probably the the sort of the greatest accolade we can pay ourselves is that we brought that back. Results have come and it's been great. And we're sort of riding a bit of a wave. But the thing that gives us the most pride is the fact that we've given them a team that they can be proud of, I think, at yeah. the moment. Do you, do you want me to uh, issue an official apology on your behalf, Sam? Go on. Not predicting a better season. Don't no. apologise yet, by the way. We're six games in. so you know. Caroline, I'd like to think you and Joe know me quite well. Yeah. So that, that night or the following day, I, I, I sent him a grovelling text message because I know he listens <laughs> and he'd been tipped by everyone that they were going to struggle and me being me went home and worried about it for about oh. two hours. But I've got to make sure we're still pals. <laughs> What's, well, have you been surprised by the start of the season? A little, I guess. I think if you'd have said after six games that would be second, yeah, I, I, I'd say that was surprising. What I haven't found surprising is that we, we, we've got good players, we've got a good squad, and, and the more and more I watch of the division, I think we're capable of competing with a lot of teams mm. on, on a given day. 
I think we've merited where we are. I don't think we've lucked it. But the only game I look back on where to say we got a result that we probably didn't deserve was Brentford at home, where, to be fair, they deserve to beat us. And we, we nicked a 1-0. But on the flip of that, Sam was, Sam was at the game three days before against Nottingham Forest and, and we played them off the park for a long, long period and we only drew. So you could say we deserve to win that. So I, I think we are where we are by merit. So yeah, would would I expected us to be second and unbeaten going into the first international break? No, probably not. But they don't surprise me because I see what they do every day on the training pitch and what they give, more importantly. What they give you every day in training uh, uh, and what they give you out on, on the football pitch. I, I don't know. Were you at the Brentford game, Sam? Yeah. There's that clip that, that was going around where they're all throwing themselves in front of the ball to stop it. And it, it, like, it almost made me laugh. It was quite funny. It was like a sketch because they was all slinging themselves in front of the ball and one took it in the face, one took it in the chest. And that's what they do to win a football game. But we, we see that every day. So it doesn't surprise me that they're giving us that, obviously. Mm. Yeah, but I'm a little little surprised where we are where we are. Yeah. Sam? Yeah, I've seen them three times and obviously I know a little bit about what, what goes in on the training ground because of Johnny. But... They've got all the ingredients, I think. So we shouldn't be surprised. They're, obviously, Millwall achieved great things with their first year up when they had the momentum. And you look at Lee and, and Johnny, obviously, the unity with the supporters, the atmosphere is fantastic away in that, that top corner. I love going there because they're really behind the team. They've got a system, a style of play. Yeah, they can adjust one or two things. But in the main, they play that diamond, which has been very successful back in the last season again now. And the recruitment's been brilliant. Yeah. You know, some of the players they've got in have surprised me. I told Jacko that I'd seen a lot of Conor Gallagher the last few years and he's not someone I would have put my house on. And walking into a, a football league environment and excelling, he's been outstanding in every time I've seen him. Uh, you can add Cullen to that list. Uh, they've been clever in the loan market. Defensively, as Jacko just said, they've got that type of performance in them as well against mm -hmm. Brentford when... Brentford probably had 15, 20 shots. Charlton probably only mustered two or three. But that desire was evident on that occasion. And they played some brilliant football against Stoke and, and Forrest. The other two games I went so to. What so what happens against Birmingham this weekend then? Well, I think it's a game that they'll be confident that they can win. You know, having seen them at close quarters. Birmingham's a funny one because of just been speaking about Gary Monk and Pep Clotet and, and Gary Monk obviously have worked together a lot. So if this is Birmingham trying to evolve their style of play... I'm unsure whether this is the man that's going to do it because I think he maybe sees football in a similar uh, light to Gary Monk and mm. wants to be a bit more pra pragmatic and a bit more back to front. So not doing a disservice to Gary Monk, but they are having a bit more possession, Birmingham, and they've got some talented players from the continent that he's just started to drip feed in, the likes of Jimenez and, and Vialba, Montero, obviously, former Swansea. So. But they, they're getting points over, over performances yeah. at the moment. Yeah, they are. And... I mean, that's a good trait if you're not playing brilliantly. <laughs> but does that, that make it tricky games? for this weekend? Oh, it's, though, it's a tricky game, yeah. It's definitely a tricky game. I think every game, every game in this championship is, is normally decided by the odd goal. Whether you're on a winning run or a losing run, they're all invariably tight games. And I don't think in, in most games you look at, any outcome would surprise you. So mm. you're looking at Birmingham at home and saying, yeah, of course we're confident that we can win that because we back ourselves. But... If the results came in at five o'clock and Birmingham had won at the Valley, I don't think everyone would be going, oh my God, like what, what a shot result, would they? So we've already started working on this week and they've got, they've got a lot of strength to their, to their side. Yeah, as Sam says, they are starting to have more possession, but they've still got that, that, that direct element, especially uh, with Djokovic up front, where they can go back to front really quickly. And he's, he's a real handful, real physical presence and something that you know we're really going to be aware of. They've got good players, as you... You would expect in the second tier, but Jukovic is the obvious one. They, they brought in um, Crowley as well, who's a good technical little midfield player, had a big impact off the, the bench last time out. They've shown at St Andrews how hard they are to beat. Yeah. It's a difficult game, but you know, knowing what Charlton have done this season and knowing the level, they're the games you've got to kind of earmark. We are more than capable of taking three points there. Charlton, Birmingham, then Joe Crilly. I'm going to ask you, clearly not going to ask these two, uh, for, for this weekend. Where's it going? Uh, I don't want to put pressure on now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Charlton are favourites to win the game, 5-4. to four. Birmingham at 11-5 to five and the draw 12-5. to five. I know we've got to move on, but that doesn't put pressure on. Is that Do you, do you enjoy being favourites? I, I don't really care, to be All honest. Right, like, I just, <laughs> no, we got, we, we got to try and win the game, whether people are 
back, I bet we at the start of the season, if that was the opening game of the fixture, we wouldn't have been five to four. We'd have been we'd have been bigger than that. Probably been the other way around. Yeah. 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 Well, while you scrabble to try and find that out, uh, we'll move on <laughs> to League One. Johnny Jackson, Sam Parkin, and, and Joe Critty with me, Caroline Barker, and it is League One. We head to next. I know you like listening to our podcast because you're listening to this bit right now, but do you sometimes wonder what Sam and Adrian are on about me too? Well, sometimes it helps if I've seen the EFL on Quest, the home of Football League highlights. Sometimes it doesn't because it's about Gary Monk playing poker. Anyway, to watch the EFL on Quest is easy. You can watch it live on Saturday night or Sunday morning on Freeview Channel 12, FreeSat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, or you can go online and watch at your leisure, questod.co.uk. That way, you too can impress your mates with the knowledge you've acquired. To watch the EFL on Quest, just go to Freeview Channel 12, then FreeSat 167, Sky 144, Virgin 217, bingo, or you can go online and watch at your leisure. Head to questod.co.uk. Easier and cheaper than appointing the Cowley brothers, I think is what I'm meant to to read, but you know, Danny and Nikki are both really cheap. League one then with the Cowley brothers gone Lincoln are now on the hunt for a new man in charge a game of Ian Culverhouse anyone that will make sense to just a few people on the pitch there were matches at the weekend leaving Wickham top of the league joint with Coventry on 15 points Ipswich and a few others didn't play but that's by the by Milton Keynes beat Wimbledon 2-1 every team scored at the weekend the fastest of which was Kai Kai's first and it's out as far as Kai Kai and it's in Sule Kaikai on 56 seconds gives Blackpool the dream start. Meanwhile, at the bottom end of the table, Southend finally decided to say, no, Mr Bond, I expect you at least to get one point after six games. And so Kevin and Southend parted ways. Uh, We've spoken a lot about Lincoln, have we not? And we've spoken a lot about what that might mean for them too. Anyone want the job? He's been heavily linked, heavily linked with the Lincoln job. But who better to discuss whether he's going there? Gareth Ainsworth, the Wickham manager. He's one of those. What odds was Gareth Ainsworth on going to Lincoln, Joe Crilly? Four to one third favourite. Four to one third favourite. Has he heard anything from the imps? He is the Wickham boss at the moment, Gareth Ainsworth. But before we get on to talking about all of the above. Here's Gareth in action with the cold-blooded hearts. Ahead of the uh, that old Lincoln game, funny they pop up again. You said that it was amazing that we can say that Wickham Wanderers are fifth in League One. So what do you say now that you're top? <laughs> I see. I mean, it is pinch, pinch yourself time for, for all the... Uh, for, you know, for all the fans, for all the players, especially for myself, it's been a real, a real work in progress. This and uh, and we seem to have got the uh, the combinations right this season. That the signings have gone well. There's been a little bit of investment from the American consortium that's uh, that's pledged a bit of money, and hopefully they can get the, the go ahead to take over the club because I really think that's helped. And uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's just was an awesome awesome day on Saturday. I think everyone expected Lincoln to go top and. Uh, and maybe the Cowleys leave as they they have done, and and leave uh, top of the EFL one. But Wickham spoiled that part in, and rightly so. We were the better team, and uh, and I was really proud of the boys on Saturday. So great great moment for me. Which is has queued me up nicely to say, do you want the Lincoln job? <laughs> do you know uh, I'm I'm really happy at Wickham. Uh, they've been so good to me. But of, of course I'm ambitious, you know, and I want I want to club. Um, that has ambitions to be in the championship to be as high as they possibly can I know Lincoln City have got that ambition they've got fantastic following you know the season tickets what the Cowboys have built over their over their time there was uh, I mean it's just awesome and I played for them as well so it's really it's really nice to, when you see a club that you played for you ask any footballer a club that they played for you want them at the top of the league because you're associated with that club and uh, and so to be associated with, with Lincoln is great you know and I'm open to everything but like I say, Wickham, they have this potential. I'm really hoping that the fans understand that, unfortunately, money is needed in football and to progress, especially to the next level, it's going to take some serious investment. We have people willing to put the money in. It's just um, the fans love owning their own club and I understand that as well. But um, the ambition for me is, is 
to get into that championship one way or the other. And so I'm sorry I can't directly answer the question, but hopefully that gives you some indication of uh, of my ambition and uh, and I want clubs to match my ambition. That's that's what I'm saying. Funny that because Lincoln had the supporters run club and and they took that investment. You know, so you start with that firm base and then you wait for that investment yeah. to come in. So is your is your future then dependent on whether they allow this investment into the club, whether that happens? My future, no, because I've got a four-year contract and, and I'm really happy. Like I say, it's just that for me as for me and my team, my team, because I wouldn't go on my own. I'd take my team. We've, mm. The trust we've built over the over the years, that there's, there's a core group of five, six staff that we would just have to go together. We, we're culture builders. We know how important culture is at clubs. And it's not just going in and being the best coach. You have to build the culture. And, and anyone who tells me that they can just go in on their own, inherit an assistant manager, inherit some, and, and make it all happen, I, I don't believe that. I think you've got to change cultures over time slowly. You've got to, got to get results at the beginning, obviously. But um, so, so my future, immediate future, I'm, I'm, all, I'm okay. I'm happy at Wickham. But, you know, I just have this burning desire to, to manage and test myself at higher levels. And uh, and so it it's really finely balanced. You know, I'm happy I'm there at Wickham. But if somebody did come knocking, I'm sure that the Wickham fans would understand that decision time for them, you know, okay, I want Wickham to be up there. But at the moment, we have this ceiling, this financial ceiling at the club. Mm. It, uh, for fans, I guess, it's a sustainability anyway. And they, they want their club to be financially well run. And that's the difficulty always, isn't it? But so at, at this moment in time, wherever you stood on a platform, I don't know where you are at the moment. At this moment in time, you've not had that that conversation with Lincoln. No, no, there's there's, there's nothing. Uh, you know, you, you, I mean, in football, people talk, and everyone knows everyone, and everyone knows somebody attached to a club, and you get phone calls, and people. Are, but there's at the moment, no, there's uh, there's nothing happening. But I know that there's plenty of rumours, and it's early days. I think uh, Danny and Nicky only left on. Uh, on Monday, and, yeah. and we're and we're only Wednesday, so it's a it's, it's a waiting game. I know that there's plenty of interest and in, in rumours, and uh, and obviously, I'd, I'd ex, you know, I think that Wickham would be uh, would be open to to letting me have a chat with people, but um, they know that I, I want to manage higher. I, if they can get it going at, at Wickham, it'd be fantastic because the culture's there. We know what we are at Wickham, and I've got the best squad I've ever had, and I really believe we have a chance to uh, to finish. A lot better than we did last season, and uh, and that's important. That's that's the aim. I don't want to say playoffs. I don't want to say top off because I'd be untrue to my to my culture and my values of building. And but, yeah, but it's there's, exciting, there's got to be know? a point, Gareth, hasn't there? There's got to be a point where you where you say this squad, this team's good enough. We're top of the league. Yeah. Why aren't we going to stay there? Why do, why, why aren't we going to get promotion? I don't want to. I don't want to give myself too much of a cushion. Of course, I think. I think the squad's good enough to, to beat teams in the league. It's just probably injuries and and the small squad I've got. Again, I've only got 22 mm. outfield players. And, and people will say, well, we've only got 22 outfield players. Yeah, but you've probably got a reserve team and an academy and you can call on some fantastic youngsters. I, honestly, I've got 22 signed players and that is it. And that is it. There's no academy. There's no youth team. We signed a, a guy called Ben Fremper last year on a non-contract and he actually got a game against Charlton because we were so so small on numbers, you know. And and that's again, if we get the injuries, I can't say we will finish as high as I think we could. But um, it's all a balancing act. But I trust my sports scientists. I trust my physios to keep them all fit. And if uh, if we have the perfect season like that, then yes, we can finish very high in this league. And I'd be uh, I'd be buzzing. But I know football, and I know that. Building is important at Wickham, and and that's all we've gone on about for the last four, five years. I'd be I'd be silly now to start promising the world when uh, realistically I think we're going through a great patch. Can we sustain it? Hopefully, but we'll see. How much does it help that you've got a, a left back who can score a hat trick? <laughs> <laughs> and, he's had en- he's had enough publicity this <laughs> week, believe me. <laughs> well, have you told him? Um, because it must be annoying the rest of the team that you know every time they go up for a set piece, he's he's aiming for the goal. So what's the point of them going up for a corner? Yeah, he's not aiming for the goals, <laughs> believe me. Uh, he's he puts a fantastic ball in. Joe Jacobson, uh, for those who don't know, and I'm sure there'll be a few people in the in the the top two divisions that haven't heard of Joe Jacobson. But keep it that way, keep two, it that way. In the, yeah, in the bottom two divisions, everyone's heard of him because yeah. his left foot is lethal, you know. The set play, I always go back to the World Cup semi-final, right? Um, I think it was France against Belgium last year 
and it was settled on a set piece, a corner. Yeah. So if it's good, it's good enough for a World Cup semi-final, then set plays are so important. And to have somebody who can take them and have, have the delivery that he's got is crucial. And we scored a lot of goals on set plays, a lot of teams do. But to get his hat-trick, that was something special. you know. And I think they're trying to take that second one off him, but it's definitely his. It was going in. And you try and wrestle that match ball off a left-back who scored a hat-trick. No chance, have you? He's probably hidden away somewhere now. But um, no, brilliant. Joe Jacobson, he's been a great servant and, uh, and three fantastic deliveries on, on Saturday. Gareth Ainsworth talking to me just before we all sat down to chat. Johnny Jackson, he speaks a lot about the importance of number twos, which is your your role clearly, and taking uh, anyone with him to. He's not heard from Lincoln at the moment. Would you, if you're sat in Gareth Ainsworth's mind, swap being top of the league with Wickham at the moment to head over to the to the Lincoln job? Ah, uh, good question. <laughs> Have I stuffed uh, you? Sorry. Well, I'm sure it'd be more nuanced than that. Yeah. I think from his point of view, he's been there a long time. He's never had great investment. He's always had to sort of struggle by with small budgets and and whatnot and done a great job. And he's got Wickham to the top of League One after seven games. He'd probably be looking at it and think, can we sustain that? Am I as hot possibly as I'll ever be right in this moment? And is this my chance? What he'll be doing, he'll be looking at, at the two sides, the two squads. As a manager, he'll want to reach the highest that he possibly can, the next mm-hmm. step being the championship. So I guess the question is, what squad would he see better fit fitting to take him up to to where he wants to go, where he wants to aspire to be, the championship. So that would be one of the major decisions, and obviously there'll be a financial element to that 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 he'd have to discuss. And you know, there's no getting away from it. That that could also be the, the difference. He he talks Sam about that point about the fact that you know if the investment comes in, if the supporters maybe allow a bit more of that investment to come in what that could do to the, the squad but that's all sort of the ifs buts and maybes isn't it which is weighing against what Lincoln have already yeah I think it's a very attractive job mm. especially given that he's an ex-player uh, as well and he's a legend there already I know that doesn't count for for everything but he, he knows the place continuity is obviously important in terms of what the Cowleys did they need someone of, of similar makeup I think to go in there there is probably a bit of disparity in what he'll be earning at Wickham to what he could earn at Lincoln and what funds would maybe be available to strengthen as well. But Johnny makes the most important point, and that is he's got the, probably the strongest squad he's ever had at Adams Park at the yeah. moment, and they're flying. So it would be tough for him to leave right now, but is he ever going to get the amount of attention he's getting right now? And again, I go back to it, the Cowleys... It's probably gone against Gareth at times that they've been so direct because they've had Akin Fenner in the side. And yeah. now that he's not capable of playing every minute, he's evolving. Uh, Gareth Ainsworth as a manager and playing different styles, different formations, which was evident at the weekend. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, I, for me, it's, it looks like a fantastic fit, but there's some great candidates as well. Yeah, I'm just stirring for the moment <laughs> and, and trying to make one and one and et cetera, et cetera. Southend then saying goodbye to Kevin on six games no points again with with Southend it's what maybe is going on off off the pitch anyone want to not throw their hat in (laughs) clearly not but anyone want to have a quick word on Southend I just not entirely sure they need a rocket don't Mm. they of some type I always say on this this podcast that when you get to six seven games straight defeats something normally gives and kind of we smelt it a couple of weeks ago and, and I think Maybe the defeat at Leighton Orient, even though it was in the, the Football League trophy. I spoke to a couple of friends that were there. And again, Johnny's just spoken about it, um, about another manager at Huddersfield. It looked like the players weren't playing for him anymore. And they were going past him to speak to various members of the staff. That's the word that I got. And he found a formula at the back end of last season. Mm. And I watched them a couple of times and they deserved to stay up. They were playing 5-3-2. And they've only really lost Taylor Moore and Drew Yearwood from that team. So it it strikes me that there was the basis of something, whether he's not been backed enough in a transfer market because the squad is poor, in in my opinion, looking at it, what you need for that level. So maybe he should have been backed a little bit more, but he found a formula at the back end of last season and he's just lost the plot, it seems, in terms of the selection and the different formations mm. that we've seen in the last few weeks. So a change was imminent and I think it's one that had to be made at this point. And some really interesting candidates. I've seen Darren Curry, an ex-teammate of mine, 
at Barnet, obviously, and two lads will both know Kevin May is a friend of, of ours, and um, Adam Barrett, great player for Southend, Southend fan, that link's always going to be there. I think it probably needs a safe pair of hands. Kevin Mayer has been with the under twenty ones, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, at Brist- he's gone to Bristol Rovers yeah, now. But he was previously yeah. with the under twenty ones at Southend. So you, you just wonder whether you're right. He knows the club and he knows what he's got to deal with. Just finally on this this point, how much easier is it to deal with a club that everyone's got to pull together? So the back end of last season, everyone had to pull together. Everyone had you know that that fight you've all got your your target and then when you're starting a new season afresh and it's because we see it a lot someone comes in keeps the club up and then the next season it's we can't replicate that which is i guess the opposite of what you've you've done at charlton yeah i I think because the expectation changes so when he went in there he had one clear remit to keep them up yeah that expectation probably changed in the summer it's probably like well we don't just want to stay up we want a little bit more um you see the same sort of with wimbledon when wally downs went in there and clear remit just keep them up they were they was adrift yeah uh, and they both succeeded and found a way just to get results that 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 might have been quite a short-term way of of looking at it but then you have your summer you have your pre-season and, and the supporters you know they come back after missing their football and they want to see their team have kicked on if you like and mm-hmm. have evolved a little bit and obviously from South End's point of view it looks like they've regressed uh, Sam touched on it there they, they've only lost two players so it's not a wholly different team but the results are wholly different, and I think the difficulty is is when you, if you if you're just getting beat by the odd goal here and there, people might go, oh, it's going to turn. But they've took a couple of thumpings, and uh, you know, a goal difference of minus thirteen. So they're getting well beaten games. Yeah. So supporters and 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 obviously the hierarchy are looking at it and go, well, I, I don't know how this is going to turn around any time soon, and that's why they've made the change. I was just going to say a couple of moments ago, they lost 4-3 to Wickham, if you think back, and they were 3-1 yeah. up in that game. So you talk about sliding doors moments. Mm. You know, that was it, I think. If they win that game, he mm. could have turned things around, but they just conceded two in the last minute there. And I mean, that's that was the moment if they were going to get any confidence. It, it comes to something when we have to say that Bolton seemingly are in a better position than Southend. They got a point, at least. I know you're on minus 11, Joe, but they got a point, at least. Who goes in at South End? Where do you see them staying? Are they dropping below Bolton at some stage this season, Joe Critley? Uh, well, it, it's funny that you mention Bolton there because Phil Parkinson's the second favourite at nine to two to get the job uh, behind Adam Barrett at five to four, and it's kind of will uh, it's been touched on. Will they bring back a, a, a club favourite or will they bring in a safe pair of hands? And I think that the betting reflects that. You've got the club favourite as the as the top of the betting and the uh, safe pair of hands as the second favourite. But I think Phil Parkinson probably would have been best to stay at Bolton if he's going to go in at South End. With regards to how they're going to do South End, they are massively odds on to be relegated <laughs> alongside Bolton Wanderers in uh, in that bottom three now. Bolton one to six to finish in the bottom three, Southend four to six to finish in the bottom three. One other fixture just quickly to pick out for this weekend: Gillingham Wickham. Any odds on that? You can think about that whilst I remind people on the super fact that came from Mark Arles this week in regards to Bolton in 2013-14. It was twelve pounds eighty-two per game to go and watch Bolton. In 2019-20, the prices that they've just readjusted twelve pounds seventy-one. So there's another positive for Bolton doesn't go up Joe you can still go and watch them did that give you enough time it did indeed yeah um <laughs> Gillingham uh 31 to 20 which is just a little bit bigger than six to four Wickham 17 to 10 in the draw 12 to five I'm nothing if not a giver uh, league one still very much a head scratcher then let's head into league two which is hopefully a bit nicer hi I'm Emma and I'm Jeffers and we host the series linked podcast all about the telly that's both on and in demand. We're able to tell you what you should be watching and what might be worth a swerve. Previous guests include Simon Cowell, Susanna Reid and Ricky Gervais. We speak to some of the biggest names in telly. Plus, we're compiling a definitive list of the box sets to watch before you die. Search for series linked on your preferred podcast app. The podcast for TV fans by TV fans. League two, and guess what? There's been another manager change here. Dino Mamaria leaves Stevenage after it took them five matches to score one goal. They're yet to win a match, so it's Dinoff and Mark Sampson, remember him, in caretaking. 
charge. In the league, Exeter and Newport still unbeaten and top of the league with 17 and 15 points apiece. Salford City draw specialists continue five draws in a row for them, putting Sunderland to shame with that record, missing two penalties in their draw at the weekend. And Scunthorpe continue to prop up the rest. With Dino gone, all eyes turn to Paul Hurst. Can he turn it around at Scunthorpe. Stevenage chairman Phil Wallace releasing his statement saying everyone knows that it's a results business first and foremost and sitting here in September without a win to our name out of the League Cup at the first hurdle second bottom of the league not something we can assume will put itself right when some players return to fitness. Was it the League Cup that did for for them at, at Stevenage do you think Sam? I think it's just the a collection of the, the poor results start this season. You think back lost one in nine at the end of last season won five and drew one of the last six games and they mm. had Curtis Guthrie, seven in six he ended with, and he's only got one so far this campaign. So you look at the individuals, Guthrie, not at that same level. They lost Elias Chair back to QPI, who was yeah. a big player for them last year, and they've just been unrecognisable. But it's been from that first game, if you think back, it was Salford away, and they were so toothless in that game, dominated by a team just promoted from the National League. He's not been fortunate with injuries at all. No. At one time or another, they've missed... Uh, all three of the centre-halves, Cuthbert, Nugent, Van Kooten. So it's been difficult, but I think it's one that's been coming. If you listen to the noise from the supporters, you watch them every week, strange tactics, strange uh, personnel. I think, um, yeah, it's a change that was inevitable, really. The kind of Johnny, Johnny Jackson, assistant manager at Charlton with us, of course. Johnny, you'll know this this area at least. Stevenage have been used to bringing players up through non-league football. They've kind of relied a lot on actually maybe the, the cheaper end of probably being unfair of of the scale when it comes to bringing players in that have done a job, that have grafted. Did they just run out of legs maybe? Yeah, I think you just reach a point where, where something needs shaking up. I, I know Stevenage quite well as a club and although he says it's a results business and it, and it is, it's not the be-all and end-all for a club like that. They want a, a nice style. They want to develop players through their academy into the first team and obviously they want to win games but they accept that it's a small club, it's a small budget and that it's going to be difficult for any manager to to really get great results all the time but I think they, I think that some of the grumblings and the feedback that I'm getting that the style wasn't great this season, Sam touched on it there. If you're not playing a nice style of football and you're getting beat every week yeah. and some of the tact- tactics uh, have been questionable like Sam touched on then if you're not getting any of that, obviously they're going to start looking at uh, making changes and sort of having not scored a goal in the first five and then taking a bit of a hammering at the weekend was probably the final. They they might be fortunate in being in a season where with just the one dropping out, mm. they might be all right this season, but dropping out of the league would be a disaster for Stevenage, would it, given how, how tough it is to get back out of the National League? It would be tough when you look at the size of the club, Mm. Yeah, some of the, the the clubs of the ilk that are down in the National League now. But that was interesting that from, from Jacko just about, you know, what the, the ambitions are away yeah. from the actual getting the three points on a match day is about bringing players through, playing a nicer style. But, but given that, you know, it's great to play a great style yeah. of football, but if you're dropping out of the Football League, how that then, yeah. then damages you? No, and they're in a precarious position now. I'm a little bit surprised about the timing just because they brought in Mikhail Smith and mm. Adam Elab, who I think defensively would probably have an impact. We spoke about Mikhail Smith that he's not going to be able to play every week, but they were given a few bodies in the last few days. And I go back to what they were producing the back end of last season. I enjoyed watching them on a couple of occasions. Plenty of goals, loads of creativity. It's just not been evident this season. So that's an interesting one. It looks like Sampson, if he was to pick up a few results in the um, the next few weeks, it could be his for the. Uh, for the for the future, are they fortunate, Joe, that that Scunthorpe are in a far worse position than them at the moment? Has that affected anything? Do, do you think we'll see a change in terms of their odds on staying up? Well, funnily enough, we actually think that uh, Scunthorpe have more of a a, a chance of, of escaping the relegation. They're ten to one uh, to finish in that bottom slot. Uh, Stephen Edge, our second favourite, so the price very much reflective of the position that they find themselves in. However, it is Morecambe who are the favourites to go down this season at nine to two. Quick word on some of the games this weekend then Forest Green up against Colchester, Exeter, Orient a couple of those. Um Johnny, you played Forest Green recently? Yeah, I we don't played, know why I went very high pitched then. We played them in the League Cup. Were they not to set up? 
I think it was a nil-nil draw, but they were, they were, I was really impressed with them. Mm. They were excellent. Mark Cooper's got them playing some some really lovely stuff. They was doing. They had a clear way of playing. Their centre halves were, were taking the ball off off the goalkeeper from five ten yards away. Now that you can use the penalty box, they was they was trying li- li- little rotations in midfield, and it was clear that it said to them like they want them to play out, play out, play out, no matter what. Yeah. Um, no matter what the way we we went and tried to press, they kept on doing it and kept on doing it, and they had quite a lot of success. I mean, we. I think we made a lot of changes that night, and we had, we had a, a young side out ourselves, but we had, we still had a decent team out, and and well, they they more than matched us. They gave us a great game. It was nil nil, and then they went on and beat us on penalties. So I was re- really impressed with them on on the night. So that fifth at the moment in in the table, you kind of always feel like they'll they'll be in the playoffs. I know Swindon doing really well this season too, and, and Cheltenham, I mean, all three of those sides in there, given the area where they are, that's going to be tasty come the the playoffs if they're all still there or thereabouts. Have you been surprised at how well Forest Green have done this season, Sam? I have been, and and only because they've lost Doidge and and Brown from from the team last year, which yeah. was the huge supply of goals. And I know Mark Cooper. I know people in the in the staff there. They're lacking a bit of firepower for the reasons I've just said. And you know they shop in a in a different basket, if you like. They have to take players from the the lower leagues. Matthew Stevens, a lad they got from Peterborough, but he's only scored goals in in non-league, really. Mm. And Taylor Allen from Nuneaton. I mean, that was the front two at the weekend. And every game they've won this season is 1-0. Four clean sheets, fantastic defensively, but it's just whether they can come up with enough goals at the other end of the pitch. But, yeah, I mean, Mark Cooper is uh, clearly a very good manager. He has a style of play and they have to rely heavily on those type of players or the loan market, mm. which they've done brilliantly this year. Morton on loan from Bristol City came on at half-time at the weekend and was brilliant. Kyle Taylor on loan from Bournemouth. And the goal scorer is this Jack Aitchison, who scored on his debut on loan from Celtic. I think he's the youngest ever Celtic goal scorer. So they have to rely on the loan market. Um, well, they, they are doing this season. And if they could get into the playoffs again, I think that would be a hell of an achievement. You lot are far too good at talking and I'm getting the eyebrows, which means I need to be quiet, uh, which is not the first time I've had those. Anything odds-wise you want to tell us from League Two, Joe Crilly? Nah. Good. That has been, though, the Totally Football League show. Your debut, did you enjoy it, Johnny? I did very much. Not enough bad-mouthing of Sam. Any <laughs> other stories to end on? Oh, there'd be a few. Can we have that up. for another podcast? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the relationship used to be based on nights out. Now it's about we talk about work and golf and getting old, you know? And you went for an afternoon cup of tea, didn't you, before coming in <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, absolutely. Complete change, complete change. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Sam, thank you. Where are you off to this weekend? I'm, I'm having a sabbatical, two uh, Saturdays weddings. Oh, wedding what? season, yeah. I'll be at the same wedding this weekend. Back to back. Don't it. tell me. I doubt it very much. I'm at one in Harrogate. Um, Basingstoke for me see (laughs) very much the same Uh, next week it's a total change in studio personnel Matt and Adrian are back and Chris Powell will be joining them Joe though are you the continuous factor in all of this will you be here next week the the thread that holds everything together as always yeah don't pull at that thread Joe Crilly thank you too from William Hill and thank you for your company as always you can get in touch with us through the week via social media You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.